0: Thank you, and good morning, Hope Point. Uh, Always great to be back here again for my annual visit. I was supposed to come uh, September last year, but our government decided to have yet another lockdown, so we were stuck, and I nearly didn't make it this time either. Uh, My granddaughter recently came to, to Brisbane for a holiday to be with her father, and then she came back, and we had a day with her when she got home, and then her father rang to say, I have been diagnosed with COVID, and your government had a law that said if you've been self-isolating in fourteen within fourteen days, you can't come to Queensland. Well, that law expired yesterday. Um, so during the week, I had this ethical debate: is it the greater good to go and not tell them that I've been isolating? And and I decided I would that I'd be rebellious and break the law. Um, and then I, so now I'm here with a clear conscience. I haven't broken the law, and I'm here. Uh, but I always love coming here, love the um, the spirit of worship here, and come at such a a great time as well. As Jed Jed just reminded me, on the 31st of March this year, World Outreach turns 90 it was 90 years ago that an australian by the name of len jones who was married to a kiwi returned to new zealand after ministering in eastern europe for quite some time and he registered the name of the slavic mission or something that now that then became World Outreach, 90 years ago. So we turned 90 this year, uh, which is exciting. And you are one of the few partner churches we have in the world. And we really appreciate your faithful support of what what we're doing. Um, For those of you who, who probably ask at the end of the service, How's the mission going with all COVID throughout the world? And for missionaries, COVID is just another thing they have to face. They're quite used to hardship, earthquakes, uh, insurrections, all types of problems. They just adapt to whatever's happening. And what's been amazing is as the, as the missionaries have, have adapted to humanitarian work more than just straight mission work, Ironically, that has opened more doors for them than they've ever had before, because often it's the love of Jesus that opens up people's hearts to hear about the message of Jesus, and that's been amazing. About 25% of our missionaries have had COVID, and some have had it very severely, particularly those in India. India was ravaged by COVID, and we literally know dozens and dozens and dozens of pastors who died. And in certain parts of India, there's a shortage of pastors because of what has taken place. Uh, but we're very thankful for what uh, what has taken place the last two years, and the mission has just adapted. And uh, unfortunately, I've been I've been grounded for two years, but that is over finally, and so I can I grow my wings back and begin to travel again, just to visit our people all over the world. But uh, great, great to be here too at a time when you're going through a transition and change as a church. And this would probably be my last time here before you change your leadership. And I just wanted to say um, how much I honor Jed and Deb uh, also for the job that they have done here. And I was driving in today, actually Ben was driving in today, I was listening, and uh, as as we were driving in, I thought, what an incredible job, This the renovation, the building just looks superb. And I thought, what, it's a city on a hill that God has strategically, sovereignly planted you here in this location prior to a brand new development with 70,000 homes within a few kilometers of here, and you've got this debt-free facility ready to go. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, I think we need to honour him for the work that he's done in renovating the building, re-envisioning the church also, but also for, for Ben and Rachel. Uh, What I'm excited about is that he is a son of the house. He has a heart for the house. You're not importing somebody who who will change everything. You know, you've got someone here who's been raised in this house with a heart for the house, and they are going to build this house. And I just want to say, from my, my perspective, interacting with them on a regular basis, you are in safe hands. And this church is going through a generational change. You are setting yourself up for the decades ahead and I will be really excited to see what God is about to do in this place because you know every year I come and every year I'm excited about what God wants to do here because you have an unfulfilled destiny and I, I just think God in his sovereignty has, has raised up a Samuel in the house you know to, to begin to take uh, the church on to the, to, to the next season that's very very exciting. I have a um, A real message today, and sometimes you know I have a I have a message that's a seasonal message for the churches I'm preaching at in the next few weeks. But sometimes you really have a word, and you feel like that this is this is something for you at this time. And so I want to turn your attention today to a passage of scripture that's found in Joshua three verses one to five. And by the way, I haven't preached for five weeks. One of the things about lockdown is it takes a while for the lag effect to catch up. So I've got a lot of words that have been brewing inside of me for quite some time. So um, that doesn't mean it'll be a long sermon. It just means I'm, I'm ready to go. Joshua 3, and in a moment I'll, I'll just, just read verse, verse number 1 and then launch in from there. But the title of my message today is, is, are the two words, Crossing Over. Crossing Over. And it's found from verse number one. And verse number one reads: "Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over." That is where the words or the title of the message have come from. Let me just give you a quick background to establish the context of this passage, and then we'll begin to unpack it and apply it to our lives. The background is that Moses was dead. And a leadership transition had taken place. And Joshua was the new appointed and anointed leader of the children of Israel. This was the end of a season, and it was the beginning of a new season. There wasn't just a new leader. There was now a new divine mandate. It was like God was saying to these people, it was no longer going to be like it was under Moses. And Moses, in a great many ways, was an unprecedented, unparalleled leader. But it was like the Lord was saying, this is a new day, and this is a new way. However, Importantly, it was the same ultimate purpose that the Lord had promised for His people. It was now time for the new season of moving into God's unfulfilled purposes and promises for His people. It was time to cross over to the place of promise. And like the conquest generation God is calling each one of us and you as a church to cross over from where we have been to where God intends that we would be. To cross over from our present position to our prophetic position. To cross over from the mundane wanderings in the desert into the promises of that God has for our life. To cross over from the crippling failures of the past into unprecedented breakthroughs in the future. To cross over from dryness in the wilderness into the refreshing territory that is before us, to cross over from the place of testing to the place of triumph. It was time to cross over. But the big question is, well, how do we do that when every day day just seems like a repetition of the day day before? Well, what can we learn from this passage of Scripture that we can apply to our lives, so that we too can cross over from where we have been to where God wants us to be? What principles can we learn from this passage about how to cross over? Number one is this. Firstly, we must face our challenges, our obstacles positively. If we are to cross over, can you just change the slide, please? That's it. Thank you. That we must change or face our challenges, our obstacles Positively, Now, please remember this in the context. The children of Israel are camped by the River Jordan, which, because of the season, happens to be in flood. Chapter 3, verse 15 reads, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. And have a think about this. The Israelites are being led by the Lord. They're finally in the right place at the right time with the right attitude. And they take one step toward their destiny and they encounter a huge obstacle. They encounter a flooded river. Now the flooded Jordan represents many things in our lives. It represents uh, the barriers to progress. It represents barriers to growth. It represents barriers to to fulfilment. And maybe there are many things that the river would represent in your life. For example, a lack of finance or debt, inadequacy or inferiority, perhaps the devil's intimidation, maybe impossibility, maybe a global pandemic. And maybe you're reasoning along the lines of, well, how can I move to where God wants me to be when I've got this great big obstacle like a flooded river right before me? How can I be where God wants me to be when I'm facing this in my life? At the moment, and we need to remember that every new step in God will come with inherent challenges, and that is why the Christian life is a life of faith. It is a life not focusing upon the visible, but focusing upon the invisible. We don't live a life that is intimidated by limitation or opposition or restriction. But we have a life trusting in a powerful God for whom absolutely nothing is impossible. And I'm reminded of the words of Winston Churchill who said this. He said, Kites rise highest against the wind, not with it. So at the moment, if you feel like God has given you a promise and all of the external circumstances seem seem to be against you, then I would say you're in the right place at the right time because God is about to do a miracle in your life. And the lesson here is never make problems your starting point. Make God's promises your starting point. Don't focus upon the problems. Focus on on the promises. Don't let the, b- the bigness of the obstacle overwhelm you, but let the bigness of your God sustain and strengthen you today. And why? Because God can make a way where there is no way. And maybe you're standing or sitting here today and before you is a flooded river. I would encourage you today to have faith and I'll tell you why. Because God can make a way where there is no way. Now there is no hint in this text that that the people were overwhelmed at all. And this generation was so unlike the previous generation, the complaining forefathers who feared death at the Red Sea. Do you remember that time when Pharaoh and his army were thundering threateningly toward them? But this new generation had learned the lessons from the past. Maybe they remembered that God had sent an east wind that had dried out and divided the Red Sea and made a path through the Red Sea to deliver His people from slavery and oppression. Maybe they remembered that the very forces of nature itself are subject to the Word and the will of God Almighty. Maybe they finally understood that God can be trusted and God can do what whatever is necessary to fulfill His purposes for His people. And for us here today, may we remember and may we remind ourselves that our God can do anything to accomplish His purposes for His people. And when you have a think about Scripture, please remember, He brought walls down. He fed His people in the desert. He made the sun stand still. He sent destructive hail upon an enemy. He brought water out of a rock. He stilled the winds and the waves. And the list could go on and on and on. And these things are written in God's eternal word to remind us and encourage us that our God does these types of things. I want to say to you today, friends, no matter what the flooded river is before you today, He can make a way where there is no way. And the lesson, the first lesson here is that we must face our challenges positively. How do we do that? By keeping in a posture of faith by praying specific prayers, by filling ourselves with the Word of God, by speaking words of life, not negative words, and by trusting in our great God. I want to encourage you today, individually and as a church, face your challenges positively. Number two. A second thing I see in this passage about how we can cross over from where we are to where God wants us to be. Number two is to follow God's presence faithfully. Follow God's presence faithfully. So in in the story, the leaders were sent throughout the camp with this order. Verse number three. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So the people were instructed to move out in order to be able to cross over. They had to move from where they were camped. But they weren't to move haphazardly or randomly or carelessly, nor were they to move for the sake of it. They were clearly instructed to move and follow the ark. When the symbol of the presence moves, then you are to move also. Now before we apply this to our lives, what was the ark? And he, here, is, here is a depiction of what the ark look, 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 looks like. It was a wooden chest overlaid with gold within and without. And according to Hebrews 9 verse number 4, it contained three things. It contained the stones in which God had written the Ten Commandments. It contained a golden jar containing a measure of manna with which God had fed His people in the wilderness. And it contained Aaron's rod that budded. But more importantly, what did the ark represent for the people of God? Well, it represented the throne of God on earth. It represented God's presence among his redeemed people and it represented the glory of God revealed in divine order and worship. So the ark represented God's rule, God's presence and God's glory. And if the people were to cross over, if they were to move into what God had for them, they had to follow the symbol of God's presence faithfully. And why? Why were they ordered to follow the symbol of God's presence? And the answer is in verse number 4. For the leader said, Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. They were to follow the symbol of the presence of God because they had never been this way before. In the desert, they had been on endless cycles and well-trodden paths. But now it was time to break the cycles of the past. It was time to move into something new. And they had never been this way before. They were about to go into uncharted territory. Up until this day, they had been led by the, by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. But once they hit the Jordan, there was to be no more cloud, just the ark, just the presence of God. And this was the next level. This was complete reliance upon the presence of God. No more visible signs, but the leading of the presence of God. What does that mean for us? In a New Testament context, The Holy Spirit is God's empowering and guiding presence. And we are the priests. We are the ones who are carrying the presence of God. And we've never been this way before. And you as a church are poised at a significant uh, leadership transition in your church. And you're about to go into uncharted waters. We've never been this way before. And I want to encourage you, friends, to remember that God will guide you. And maybe in your business at the moment, or in your marriage at the moment, or in your life at the moment, you don't know which way to go because of what's happening in, in our world today. I want to say, friends, let the presence of God guide you, because he's waiting for you on the other side. He's already there. We've never been this way before, but he has. And we've got to listen to what he's saying and be guided by what he is doing in our lives. And the lessons here for us are, if we are to cross over, then we have got to resurrect our spiritual life. We must rely upon the Spirit, upon the Lord to guide us. I want to ask you, friends, when was the last time you heard the voice of God? When was the last time the Scriptures really came alive to you and spoke to you and guided you? Friends, we cannot just go through this life as if we're visually handicapped. We need to be people who are being led by the Lord, led by the Spirit of God. And this demands time in prayer. It demands time in the Word. It demands time in praying in the Spirit. It demands time in heartfelt worship and the adoration of God. It demands time in waiting upon God, in meditation, in listening for His voice. This is my encouragement to you in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes upon the ark. Watch for what the Lord is doing. Listen for what the Lord is saying and be sensitive to the Spirit of God because you have never been this way before. And I want to say to you, friends, the future is not going to look like the past. Thank God for the past and your heritage and all that that has been done. But I want to say, friends, you've never been this way before. And so just keep your ears open to the Lord and your eyes upon the Lord. Number three. A third thing we see in this passage about how we can cross over is this. Consecrate ourselves expectantly. To consecrate ourselves expectantly. If you were to ask me today, what, what's the Lord saying to the global church at the moment? What, what, what is he saying to them? I would say, friends, this is one of the things he's definitely saying. Consecrate yourselves in expectation of what he is about to do. Back to the story. So the people are camped on the edge of the flooded Jordan River, and the leaders have just moved through the whole camp to instruct the people to follow the symbol of the presence of God because they will need the guidance of God. Then Joshua, the leader, stood up in what we know as verse number five and said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I paraphrase that to mean consecrate. Yourself expectantly. Now, in old, old Testament times, this was a ritual washing. It was a, a, a ceremonial washing by following the prescribed regulation of, of getting ready. The actual word consecration can mean set apart or clean to make holy, to sanctify. But there were two aspects to the concept of consecration. On the one hand, the concept of consecration meant a separation from. But on the other hand, it meant a dedication unto. So they had to be separated from everything that was unclean and sinful and contaminating and secular, but they were to be dedicated unto the Lord. And in the same way, if we are to move from where we are to where God wants us to be, then we need to separate ourselves, rid ourselves of everything that is unclean, that is questionable, that is carnal. Maybe those things that we've been putting off in our life. Maybe the secret things that nobody else knows about. Perhaps the unaddressed issues in our lives, in our marriage or our relationships. I want to encourage you, friends, consecrate yourself separate yourself from those things because God is really looking for people who are set apart for Him. He's looking for people who draw a clear line of of delineation about what is righteous and what is unrighteous, what is clean, what is unclean, what is right before God and what is not right before God. And at the moment, there's a fair bit of grey. And I would say, friends, God is calling us to consecration but we've also got to dedicate ourselves unto separate from but dedicate unto and the verse that really captures this is that one in Romans 12 verse number 1 you know for 11 chapters Paul has been speaking about the mercy and the grace of God and and, and the gospel and and in view of this he then says present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God in other words Abandon yourselves to Him fully, unconditionally, irrevocably. Surrender yourselves to Him. And may we remember today that surrender to Jesus is not limitation, it is liberation. Let me say it again and I'll explain. That surrender is not limitation but liberation. There are a lot of people in 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 today's world that don't like to be told. They don't like to be told by the government, they don't like to be told by anyone. But when we are wholly and fully surrendered to Jesus, we find our true identity in him, we find our purpose in him, and we become fruitful in him. It's only when we abandon ourselves to him we find who we truly are, and what God has called us to do. So I want to say it again, friends. Surrender to Jesus is not limitation. It is liberation. And I want to encourage you in this season when you're you're going through a transition to just say, Jesus, I'm yours. I surrender myself to you. But why? Why did Joshua instruct the people to consecrate themselves? Again, listen to the end of verse, verse number five. Because tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. Among you, In other words, Joshua was calling the people to prepare themselves. He was calling them to get ready because God was about to do amazing things among them. But unless the people prepared themselves through separation and dedication, they may not be in a spiritual position to receive what God was about to do. Or in other words, if they didn't prepare themselves, they might miss out. And if ever there was something, the Spirit of God is saying to the church today, it's prepare yourself and consecrate yourself. Don't let what's happening in this world today uh, anaesthetize you or numb you to what the Spirit of God is about to do. Because whenever there has been an economic downturn in the world, there is always an upsurge in people seeking the face of God. And I really believe that we are poised at a time when God is about to pour out His Spirit in an unprecedented, unparalleled, unstoppable way. This is not a day to be anaesthetized. It's a day to be alive a day to be awake, a day to be consecrated, a day to be open, a day to be surrendered to Him so that we can get ready for what God is about to do. And I would, I would encourage you at Hope Point also to have a renewed sense of expectation that God is about to do amazing things among you. And often what we do is we reduce the level of our expectation to the level of Of our experience. But I want to urge you to have a renewed sense of expectation that things don't have to be as they are, that things don't have to be as they have been in the past, but begin to expect long prayed prayers to be answered. Expect breakthroughs in your life in areas that thus far have not yielded. Expect the Lord to do more in you and through you than he has ever done before. Have a think about Bartimaeus sitting on the roadside year in and year out with no hope of a different future until one day Jesus of Nazareth walked past him and his whole life was transformed. Or have a think about Hannah who was intoxicated with sorrow because she was infertile with no hope of bearing a child until one day God heard her prayer and she conceived and gave birth to Samuel. Or have a think about David, the forgotten son, on the Judean hillside out there mining the sheep until one day God Almighty said, I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to make you a mighty king and I'm going to make Israel to be the biggest that it has ever been. I want to say today, friends, in one day, with one touch, by one word, God can and change everything therefore we need to lift the level of our expectation in Jesus name and if God was saying something to hope point today I believe that he's saying oh get ready because the time is nearly right I'm about to do what I have promised you are going to experience me in an unprecedented way but you need to respond by consecrating yourselves and I believe that if God is a God of love and if God causes all things to work together for our good, and if the Holy Spirit is making us to become more like Jesus day after day, and if our life is unfinished, and if He is a God of transforming power, and if He is a God of redemptive purposes, and if He is called, anointed, and sent, and appointed us, and if we are living consecrated lives before Him, we can boldly say today, the best is yet to come. And therefore, the point I want to make here, point three was consecrate yourself expectantly. Number four. There's only five in, in case you're worrying. And, uh, number four. How can we, what could we learn from this passage about how we can get, how, cross over from where we are to where God wants us to be? The first thing, fourth thing we learn from this story is to fulfill God's commands obediently. To fulfill God's commands obediently. Obediently. So Joshua has just instructed all of the people to consecrate themselves in expectation of God's imminent supernatural intervention. But their their preparation must now be matched by action. They needed to take obedient steps of faith. Verse 14 of this chapter says So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And there comes a time in everybody's journey when we must make radical steps of obedient faith, even though it doesn't make any sense at all, where we've got to do what God is asking us, us to do. Think of Peter in the boat when he asked Jesus to come to him on the water. And Jesus said, come. And then Peter did something astonishing. He got out of the boat He got out of his comfort zone. He got out of his security and he walked in the water toward Jesus. It was only when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves and felt the wind that he began to sink, he took a step of faith. And in this story here, in order for the Israelites to cross over, there had to be a combination of divine intervention and human cooperation. There is something only God can do, but there's something that only we can do. The people had to prepare themselves for the miracle. And as, we, as we'll soon see, they had to step in before the Lord, miraculously stop the flow of the water. There is something we must do and something only God can do. And by God's leading, we take every step in the natural and then the supernatural takes over. So do what God is telling you to do right now, even though it doesn't make any sense at all. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to back up the point here. Do you remember that time when Jesus turned turned to Peter and said, Put out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon responded and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I don't know about you, but I've said similar words to God as well. Lord, you don't know how hard it is. I've toiled, I've labored, I've done everything you've told me to do. I, I, I know to do with no results at all. God, I, I don't know what more to do. Nevertheless, said, said Peter, at your word, I will let down my nets for a catch. Because you say so, because you have given me guidance, I will trust you and I will obey you one more time. And what was the result? A miraculous catch of fish. They had to call the other boats to come along beside them and help them. Because when you obey a quickened word from God, it unlocks the supernatural in your life. You know, earlier in this service, Jed was seeking to build up our faith and it built me up as well. That whole thing about focusing upon the name of Jesus. When you get that quickened word from God and you respond to that word, friends, something happens. Or have a think about Elijah on Mount Carmel when he was challenging the prophets of Baal. And after digging an altar and digging the trench and arranging the wood and laying the bull and soaking it three times in water, listen to his prayer. It'll be up here. 1 Kings 18. Oh Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Notice that. I have done these things in your command. There is something he must do and something only God can do. And then he prayed, answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So Elijah had done everything he could at God, God's command, what God had told him to do. But then he was reaching out and said, O oh Lord, You do what only you can do, send the fire. And it says there, chapter 18, verse number 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Do all that God is putting in your heart to do. But our faith is not in what we do. Our faith is in Him. And I don't know about you, but I think we should be crying out today, Oh God, send that Fire! Oh, God, send a fire in this place that will be, Lord, unquenchable. Lord, send a fire in this place so that people's lives are absolutely transformed. God, send your fire. You've got your building ready. You've got your mission statement absolutely crystal clear. You've got all the things in place. Now call out to God that he would send the fire. Call out to him that he would do that. Obedience to God unlocks the power of his supernatural strength and his intervention. And we can prepare and we can pray and we can plan. But then we must act and call out to God for him to do what only he can do. Back to the story. We're now up to verse 15 of chapter 3 and it reads, Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, And their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream flowed, stopped flowing, and it piled up a great distance away. So they obeyed the Lord. And I come now to the fifth and final point of what we see in this passage about how we can cross over. Number five, maintain your faith position determinedly. Maintain your faith position determinedly. Now notice in verse 8 what the Lord instructed the priest, priest to do. He said, "When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river." Now please remember, it's still flooded. It's still flooded, but God said, "When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in, in the river." And the faith of the of the priests was only put to the test when they had to put their feet In the water. The only people to experience cold feet and heavy shoulders as they carried the ark were the priests who were out in front. But what they had to do was, and the lesson for us is, maintain their faith position determinedly. And I urge you, don't be put off by cold moments. Maybe you have taken the step of faith and nothing has happened immediately. Maybe you've been believing for a miracle and it hasn't happened yet. And maybe there are a few tense moments that may feel like an eternity. Perhaps no dry ground is appearing. Maybe your feet are getting colder and the ark is is getting heavier. But maybe remember today, like the priests, It's not what we feel that matters. It's what we're carrying upon our shoulders. It's not what we feel in our feet in those cold moments, but what we're carrying upon our shoulders. Let let, let me read verses 15 and 16 again. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up a great distance away. Here's the point. As their feet... Touched the water's edge, the miracle had begun upstream. Even though they couldn't see it, there wasn't any immediate visible indication of the miracle, but the miracle had taken place. And even though they couldn't see any difference from the moment they obeyed, the miracle was on the way. And when you do what God is telling you you to do, the miracle is on the way. And maybe there's some people here today who need to hear the word of the Lord, and I believe this is what God is saying to you today. The breakthrough is on the way. The answers to prayer are on the way. Deliverance is on the way. Healing is on the way. Provision is on the way. Stand your ground. Maintain your position of faith determinedly because the miracle is on the way. Hope point, the breakthrough is on the way. So maintain your, your, your faith position. Stand your ground. And though your feet are getting cold and your shoulders heavy, just keep in a posture of faith because the miracle is on the way. And it wasn't long before, as, as they stood there, that the ground became dry. And as they kept standing, the waters stopped flowing. And when we obediently do what God is calling us to do and maintain our position and stand firm and don't get negative, oh, nothing is happening, it can't be God's will, or I haven't got faith at the moment, just stand your ground. And the result was this. As the the priests stood in the middle, verses 16 and 17 read, Then the people crossed opposite Jericho, and the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm, on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They were miraculously enabled to cross over. So, let me tie it all, all off here today and, and summarize. We've been asking the question how do we move from where we are to where we kind of believe in our heart that God wants us to be? And we've seen five principles from this passage about how we can cross over. Number one is to face our challenges positively. I don't know what your flooded river is, but I do know this. God can make a way right through that flooded river because he's done it before and he can do it again. Therefore, let's face our challenges positively and believe that God can bring about great breakthrough. Number two, we've seen that we must follow God's presence faithfully. We're not going to get to the other side unless we're led by God, unless we're listening to what he's saying and watching what he is doing. Thirdly, we, we get to the other side by consecrating ourselves expectantly. I urge you today, if the Spirit is putting something, if putting his finger upon some part of your life, consecrate yourself. Get rid of that thing, discard that thing. Get ready. Dedicate yourself expectantly. Have a renewed sense of expectation. All it takes is one touch from God, and things can be radically different. Number four, to fulfill God's commands obediently, to do fully. Holy, do, wholly do what God is calling you, you to do, to take those steps of faith. Number five, and to maintain your faith position determinedly, that you would stand your ground and say, no matter what I feel in my feet, it doesn't matter. No matter how heavy the burden is, it doesn't matter. I believe God. I am trusting in Him. And so when they, when they got to the other side, they were taking one step toward what God had for their lives. And the end of the story is that at God's initiative, Joshua then commanded the priests to come out of the Jordan. Verse 18 says, The priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and no sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. The opportunity to cross over was only open for a season. And then the water went back to where it was before the miracle. Why? Well, I I kind of believe that otherwise, given the track record of this people, if things had got tough, they may want to revert to yesterday, yesterday, back to where they'd always known. And it was like, take us back to the predictable. Take us back to what we know, the well-trodden paths. But I want us to be clear today. Hope point that at this critical moment in your church, generational change and, and transition, that you would say, I'm going to cross over. I, I don't want to be where I've been. I, I want to come out of the endless, endless wanderings in my own life and journey and the same thing year in and year out. I want to move into what God has. I encourage you today to cross over. Allow me to pray, to, to, to pray for you today. Lord, we are here in your presence. Hope Point, Lord, is your church that you have established here in this community for such a time as this. And I thank you, Lord, for this, this, this critical juncture, this, this moment in the life of this church, Lord, of generational change. I thank you for that, Lord. You've always raised up Joshua's. You've always raised up, Lord, people who would follow, Lord, great leaders. And I I pray, Lord, and today in your presence, I honour Lord Jed and Deb, and thank you, Lord, for, for their season, their, their leg of this relay race that they've, they've run, and thank you for all that you have accomplished through them. We thank you for that. And Father, I call out, Lord, today, Lord, for Ben and for Rachel. I call upon you as much as you raised up Joshua to lead the people through into a time of conquest, that your hand would be upon them, and that they would have wisdom beyond their years, Years, but Lord, also have very clear strategic plans from you, as clear, Lord, as Joshua heard about walking around Jericho. That, Lord, they would have, Father, things in their hearts specifically from you to lead this church into its greatest days, Lord, into all that you have planted this church for. I bless them today in your presence and pray that you would give them, Lord, great leaders around them who would galvanize around them and support them, Lord, like Aaron's and hers. Lord, I pray that your hand will be upon them. And I ask you that, Lord, everyone here today, listening live, Lord, or listening to the recording, would hear your voice. That, Lord, would know the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit, Lord, in their lives. That they, Lord, the people would keep their eyes upon you and be guided by you and led by you, Lord, in every way that this church may step into, Lord, everything that you have ordained for it, Lord. I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you're a God of promises and you make a way where there is no way. I am grateful for that, Lord, and thank you today. And I bless this people. I thank you for their faithful giving. I thank you for their faithful prayer. I thank you, Father, for all that they are and they do for our missionaries throughout the world and pray that you would bless them abundantly, Lord, as a result, Lord, of their sacrifice and their, their, their faithfulness today. Lord, I give you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, for-